Today, the door I want to talk to you about is the tomorrow test. See, each door has a test. Before you can go through the next door, the next level, the next opportunity that God has for you, the next growth place that God has for you, the next anointing, it depends on how spiritual you want to get in this, but every next level has a test attached to it. And you say, well, pastor, how do we walk through those? How do we know what those are? That's what this series is all about. And today, we're going to talk about the tomorrow test. And there's an old saying that I remember hearing, and many of you will remember it too. But, you know, why do today what I can put off until tomorrow? We hear that all the time. And can I say this, that we live in a culture and in a world that does everything it can to avoid pain. We don't want to be uncomfortable. But can I just tell you this right now? For you to go to the next level of your life, there's going to be tests where your pain tolerance is going to be tested. Your patience tolerance will be tested. I'm telling you, you're, you're quoting for all these different things. They're going to be tested in your life. And the truth is, you'll either pass or you'll fail. In other words, you'll either step through that door into that next place or you'll stall out and you'll be sitting in that, as we call it, the hallway of hell for a while. You know, you say, what is that? That's that place where you're wanting to go through a new opportunity and a new door, but you're stuck in the hallway. You know, so that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. So here's what I'd like to do is if everyone just stand to your feet as we get ready to read the word of God together, we're going to open our Bibles in and the core scriptures that we're based in the series on is found in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. We often read verse 10, but we don't read the verse that precedes it. So we're going to do that today. So it says, I am the door. Do we know who this is talking about? Jesus, right? Okay. I know it's a deep theological point there. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, there's something really important in all of this that I want you to grab a hold of, but we're going to read another passage of Scripture that I think is going to give you some insight into the test that we're talking about today. Because John 10, 9, and 10 tells us very clearly that Jesus is the door to the life of abundance that you're looking for, the life of freedom, the life of fullness. That is the door, okay? So I want you to turn with me way back into the Old Testament, into the book of Exodus. We're going to go back into the book of Exodus chapter 8, and I'm going to look at just a few verses, 8 through 10. Exodus chapter 8, verses 8 through 10. I love this. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This is during all the uh, different plagues that were going on in Egypt. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. Now let me let, me let you know how the, what happened in this moment, okay? And we'll finish the scripture. You can stand for a minute, it's good for you. Uh, 
<laughs> is what happened is, so Moses is saying, set my people free. Pharaoh wouldn't obey God, didn't want to let, let people go. So what happened? He starts sending plagues upon Egypt. So God sends frogs. Frogs. I mean, everywhere. Frogs. How many are frog lovers? I mean, it's, it's frogs everywhere. The Bible says there were frogs in their ovens. Frogs in ev they were everywhere. We'll talk about that in just a second. So, take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. I love this response in verse 9. You set the time, Moses replied. Tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs, and they will remain only in the Nile River. Verse 10, this was Pharaoh's response. Do it tomorrow, Pharaoh said. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, today as we spend some time together in your word, God, I pray that you'll begin to speak to us that, Lord, we didn't come in here just to be simply encouraged. We didn't come into this place simply to sing. We didn't come, we came in to get closer to you and to celebrate that together. So, Father, as we have gathered, whether online or in this room, I pray, God, that you would begin to speak to each of our hearts. For, Father, we know that when we sow the seed of your word, it always brings back a harvest of good in our lives. Father, pray, I pray that today you would convict our hearts that, Lord, no matter how long we've been following you, that, God, we all know that we need to be better. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us today. And, Lord, I pray this as always, that when we leave our time together, we would leave here changed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Frogs. I mean, I, it's just an interesting thing to me. So there are frogs everywhere, coming out their ears everywhere. And as a matter of fact, it's interesting because when Aaron, the, God told Aaron to stretch your, your uh, staff over the water and all the frogs begin to come up. And then the magicians of the Pharaoh's court did the same thing. And you think, well, why would God do that? All I can tell you is this, is that God allowed it to happen. So it just multiplied the amount of frogs that were everywhere, everywhere. Now, I know some of you say, well, you know, I mean, they could have had a buffet. They could have had frog legs. If they were from the South, it would have been a probably not been a problem. But here's all this happening. And there's a funny thing about it because frogs in Egypt, see, when we read Scripture and we don't have context, we don't understand the depth and, and different little pieces of Scripture, we'll miss very important pieces. Because frogs were very uh, religious to them. They were very holy. As a matter of fact, frogs represented fertility and abundance, and they couldn't kill them. So although they were miserable with all the frogs, they weren't willing to get rid of the frogs because it represented something that they didn't want to let go of. It represented things that they were hanging on to for dear life. So when we talk about that, you say, well, what does that have to do with any of this? I want you to think about that scripture for a minute. So all of this is going on, and he agrees. This, 
this has to stop. Pray to your God that this will go away, Moses, and I'll give you what you want. Your people can go. They can sacrifice to your God. They can do all that. Just get them out of here. And then Moses asks this question that I would pose to all of you. When do you want it to happen? When do you want it to happen? Let me, let me phrase it like this. Many of you want a move of God in your life. When? Many of you want to be free from an addiction. You want to be free from some pervasive uh, thing that you can't seem to get away from, that you struggled with your entire life. The question that if we would take this and point it toward, toward ourselves as we should, it would be this. Okay, you want to be free? When? Because the Pharaoh actually answers in a way that mirrors our culture today. Tomorrow will be fine. Which meant he wanted one more night with the frogs. And when I think about that and I pose that into our lives, here's what I walk away with from that. Is that in our lives, there are a lot of things that we know aren't right. There are a lot of things in our lives that we know do, do not honor God. But we want to walk through the door of abundance that God has called for us. We want that ultimate life that he's prepared for us. We want the walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to we have that power that Peter had. We want all that stuff, man. We want to be that, but we're not willing to let go of what was to walk into what can be. So like Pharaoh said, no, I'm going to hang on to this. We just, just let us hang on because you know what? We, we not, I'm not so sure. I just need one more night. I love what research shows. Uh, psychologists have identified a lot of drivers of procrastination. They've identified some of these things. It goes from low self-confidence to anxiety to a lack of structure and an inability to motivate yourself because of the tasks ahead of you are unpleasant. All of these different things are identifiers of why we put things off. And then research even goes on to say that there's another one that's closely linked to what they call rumination, which means when we're thinking about the same negative thoughts, we get fixated on a certain thing so that we never move forward. See, some of you are fixated on hurts of your past. Some of you are fixated on this. Well, I don't like something, so I can't get past it. I want to worship, but I can't get past something. Can I tell you something? There comes a place in every believer's life where you've got to grow up and say, I've had enough of the frogs. I'm not waiting for tomorrow. I'm stepping into the abundance God has for me right now. I'm not waiting. I'm not stepping away. I'm not staying where I am. In other words, we know that sin's hurting us. Just one more night. I'll deal with it tomorrow. We want our marriages to be better. I'll work on it tomorrow. We want to be difference makers for the kingdom of God. Just one more night with my sin. Just one more night. I think there's even a simpler reason. If we're really being honest, we like our sin. We like the frogs, and it's hard to let go. But the truth is, we know that that's what's keeping us from God's best. We know 
that if Jesus, look, I, I can tell you right now, I can talk to people right now and go through this because I, I would have to wrestle with this myself. If Jesus comes back right now and I were standing in front of God and he was saying, but why are you still doing this? And I would dread having to answer that because, well, God, I kind of like that sin. See, many of us aren't willing to be honest with ourselves to say, I want to be better. I want to be who God's called me to be. I want to be the man of God that I need to be. But until we confront those things in our lives and we make the decision that I'm not going to wait, I'm going to step through the door of abundance. I'm stepping into that door. I'm going to pass the test of tomorrow. I'm going to make sure that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And there's a few things that I want to share with you today that help you relate into that scripture. And the first one is this, I've got just a few points, is this. To pass the test for tomorrow, you have to assume responsibility for you. You have to assume responsibility. Can I tell you something? We live in a time and a culture where you've got to stop making excuses for poor behavior. We live in a world that makes excuses for everything. Well, I, I'm upset because they hurt my feelings. What? Say, well, well, you know what, if, if, if they would just be right and they would understand how I feel. Do you know, guys, I'm 53 years old. How many are at least my age or older? Okay, all right, there's a good portion of you. You guys that are younger, you have not been offended as much as I have yet. And just know it doesn't change because the culture says it's not nice. People are people no matter where you go, and people are messy. So the best we can do is realize I'm going to get offended. I'm going to get upset with people. I'm going to struggle with those things. But I'm going to tell you what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to make excuses because I'm irritated because something doesn't go my way or I don't like something or, or let's go even deeper is, well, the scripture says this, but I don't like that. Because let me tell you, at this church, we're going to say, the Bible says what sin is, and we stick by what the Bible says sin is. It doesn't go by how we feel or our emotions. It's, it's what the Scripture tells us. Because it's the only guide that we truly have. So I'm thank you for the five people that appreciate the Word of God. The rest of you, I'll work on it. No, I mean, it's very important for us to understand. To pass the test, you have to assume responsibility for you. You have to take that into yourself and say, I'm going to do this. Because here, here's the thing. Here's what the world, the modern church would love to teach. That you can have Christ without commitment. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's a lie. You cannot have faith in Christ. You cannot walk with Jesus and not be committed to Jesus. See, here's what I think. I think everybody wants Jesus to commit to you, and then you go do whatever you want to, and then when you get in trouble, you want Jesus to bail you out. But in our lives, what we have to understand is God's called us to a higher standard. He's called us and says, look, you have to understand, you can't have Christ without commitment. As a matter of fact, I have a key thought for you. It's this. It's because Christians are not called to comfort and convenience but to a cross and commitment. 
Let me, let me say that again. This is your key thought, that Christians are not called to comfort and convenience, but to a cross and to commitment. And you say, well, pastor, that's awfully heavy for our first Sunday back after all. Let me, let me tell you something. These are basic things. To understand is this, because we live in a time where everybody wants everything easy. We don't want things to be hard. But I'm here to tell you something. God called us to serve him in the good times and in the bad times. When we understand, when we don't understand. When there's evil that's so prevalent and when good's more prevalent. We're supposed to serve him with everything inside of us no matter what happens. So you can't get stalled out and not walk to the level, to the level, the door that God has for you, the next place that God's got for you. I don't want you to fail the tomorrow test. I don't want our church to fail the tomorrow test. I want us to overcome it. I want us to walk through those doors like ready, like God, whatever it is, we're ready. We're walking in. Whatever it looks like, I'm ready. I'm going. I love this. Because it teaches us this as well. The second point is this. To pass the test, you must believe that you're worthy of it. See, a lot of people don't understand that you're worthy of a full life. You're worthy of walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You're worthy of having the power of God not only be something that you talk about, but it's who you are. You are worthy because he chose you. You are worthy because you chose him. And when you chose him, he lives in you. That's what the word says, that when we receive Christ, the spirit of God now resides inside of us. So I think one of the things that we have to look at that are so important is to understand if God lives in you, if his spirit, if you are his son and his daughter, then you are worthy to walk through that door. And let me tell you something, the people around you, the voices that are all around you will try to talk you out of that. They will try to convince you that, you know what, if I'm not worthy, you can't be worthy. If I don't have it, you shouldn't have it. Can I tell you, you've got to break that mindset in your lives and realize if you tie yourself to what the crowd says, you're going to be crowd surfing for the rest of your life. But if you're going to walk in, my, like my daddy would say, if you're going to walk in high cotton, then you need to go ahead and realize I am worthy of abundance in my life. I am worthy of walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I am worthy of walking in the power that lives inside of me. And I don't care what you say, it, I didn't come from much, but that doesn't matter because when I've got God on my side, he takes little and makes it much. So I'm going to walk through the door because I am worthy and you've got to get that in your mind we live in a time when everybody is down on everybody everybody's scared to say anything scared to do anything we're scared to be who God's called us to be stop it we are the children of the living God and you cannot walk in the authority that God's called you to walk in until you understand and you accept in your heart I am worthy because he made me worthy. And I think that's so very, very important. Can I just tell you this? Okay, so if we're walking in the Spirit, and, and 
let me tell you, so that we teach here, of the, we talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's a very powerful experience, and, and we hope every person will walk into that place. But I will tell you this, because here's one of the things that helped to explain it to new people that have never been, uh, <clears throat> they've never been taught the things of the Holy Spirit in, in living Spirit-filled, is this, is sometimes the, the semantics, the terminology gets confusing. Because here's what I believe. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says God comes and resides in you. His Spirit lives inside of you, right? That's not rhetorical, right? Okay, just want to make sure. So that Spirit lives inside of us. As a matter of fact, this is the same Spirit that God's talking about and says it's the same Spirit that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. That's His Spirit. That's how powerful what's in you is. So when we talk about the infilling, can I actually tell you, I think it's an activation and an outpouring. Because what happens is, is something lights up inside of you and the Spirit of God comes out of you. You can't stay, you can't keep it out. It's like, man, now this is something. And here's why, I wanna, why I'm saying that today. Because if you are filled with His Spirit, you should expect to be led by His Spirit. And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Because when you're worried about how worthy you are, can I tell you something? You're not walking in the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, one of the most powerful moments is when I walk into a hospital room. And I walk in and I feel it. I'm going to tell you, there, there are times I've walked into hospital rooms and been like, oh, it's just like a normal visit. But I've also walked into hospital rooms where God has spoken to me and said, I want you to pray for them. I want you to touch them in a certain way. I want you to do this. And I've felt that anointing come on me and I've watched them walk out healed. There's a difference when you're walking in the Spirit. And that's what I want you to see, because a lot of times you have to understand, when I'm walking into that room, I realize it's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. It's just me being willing to be a conduit of the anointing of the Father. So it's not about whether I was a good person in my 20s. It's not about whether or not, oh, have you had any bad thoughts? Have you been, are you, are you mad at somebody? No, it's about you surrendering that and say, God, I'm yours. And you know what? I know I'm human. I know I make mistakes, but I also know this. I'm going to walk in the fullness of who you called me to be. I surrender to you, and I'm knowing who I am right now. I'm a child of God, and you've called me to walk into this hospital room, and you've called me to pray for this person who's desperate and needs a miracle, and I'm going to walk in here, and I'm not going to shy away from being the representative of the Son of God. I am walking in knowing that I'm worthy of it. Does that make sense? But we walk in such a way sometimes that we can't get past our past. And we, we're so worried and we listen to the counsel of people who we shouldn't be listening to. We're listening to Hollywood, for God's sakes. And people say, no, we don't do that anymore. Really? I think we should learn our lesson. I think we have done pretty well, but I'm going to tell you something. There are still a lot of things that the that that group like to purvey and put out and say, this is what is normal. I'm telling you something. I'm going to tell you what's normal. Normal is poke salad and cornbread. 
Normal is going home when I get off work and going to stay with my wife and not having any other things on the side. Normal is when I wake up on a Sunday morning knowing I'm going to church whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to church. Normal is when I say I'm going to walk and know that no matter what the world says or who says it, I know I'm a child of God and I'm going to live like it. Right? That's normal. Well, be careful because I can get us all in trouble. Real quick. But it's funny, there's a story. <clears throat> there's this man, it's a, it's, it's a tragic story. And there's this man, he, he was having some issues. He had acute pain in his neck. He had random spells of dizziness and just all these issues. <clears throat> and one day he went to the doctor and he said, look, I don't know what's going on, but something is seriously wrong with me. And the, the doctor does his examination and he eventually concurs. And he goes, listen, there's nothing I can do. It looks to me like in your situation, you have about six months to live. So here's what I would encourage you to do. Live your life. Enjoy life. Go buy a car. Go do whatever makes you happy and go do that. Go buy all new clothes. Whatever makes you happy, go enjoy six months because that's what I think you have left. So the man, after he kind of wrapped his head around this prognosis, he, he goes out and he's starting to just live life. He's going to do all those things and he finds himself, he said, you know what, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out in a tailored suit. So he goes to the tailor and the tailor's measuring him and he's going through all this stuff and, and he finally gets to his shirt size and he, the tailor tells the man, he says, well, sir, he goes, you need a size 16 neck and he goes, no, I have a 14 neck. And he goes, well, no, sir, you have a 16. No, I have a 14 neck. Now, see, some of you guys, some of you people might not understand that, but that's how big your neck is right here. And so what he said, he goes, sir, listen, you can have a 14 size shirt for your neck if you want to, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to have acute pain in your neck. You're going to have, you're going to have uh, also these all dizzy spells that are very common and you're going to pass out a lot. My point is sometimes we don't want to hear the truth. And what I want you to understand that today, as we look at this word, a lot of us are like Pharaoh. Is we want change and we want freedom. We want to walk free from all the change. We want to walk free from our, our anger and our bitterness, our hurts, all those things. We want to walk away from them. But when we ask ourselves truly, you know what we do? We look at it and we go, one more night. One more night. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. As a matter of fact, that's our, our last point is this. It says, stop waiting for the perfect moment. Do it now. Stop waiting for the perfect moment because there's no such thing as a perfect time. You remember, I remember when we got married. You know, me and Tawana got married. Look, when we got married, we had zip. We had nothing. We had our little two-bedroom apartment. And we were struggling <clears throat> to make ends meet. I mean, we, when we talk about living on love, we lived on love and the compassion of her parents. I'm telling you. And, you know, but over time, what happened, I remember, it was like, well, you know what? We're, we want to have a child. And I remember people telling us, said, well, you know what? I don't, you, I don't think you're financially ready to have a child. Are you ever financially ready to have a child? 
I'm going to tell you something, because let me tell you, you're never financially ready because they grow up, they're still need, they still need you. You know, it never changes, and you're never ready. What I'm trying to say is there's never a perfect time. But what I want you to understand is that too many people sit back and make a reason to just wallow in their sin, and they stay there, and they love Jesus. They want to be used by God, but we're not willing to confront the sin in our life. We're not willing to look at our apathy. While the world's going to hell in a handbasket around us 90 miles per hour, while we're watching culture and society fragment daily, when we watch the book of Revelations and the book of Daniel come to pass in front of our eyes, I watch Christians who are so wanting to be entertained. Instead of picking up their cross, and carrying it. I know some of you are saying, Pastor, we usually laugh a little bit more on Sundays around here. But sometimes you've just got to come down to the real crux of the matter and say, look, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a holy church. He's coming back for a bride that is clean and prepared. And if we can't deal with our sin, I'll leave that to you. I think that's what it comes down to in our lives. And I just want you to understand when we talk about time, 2 Corinthians tells us the best thing that we can ever know about this in the second half of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. The second half says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It's now. So I'm telling you right now, young people, you've got issues with people, get over it now. Adults, you're walking through life because you were hurt at a church somewhere, get over it. Now is the time for your healing. You're still struggling in your marriage because you're angry about something that happened 15 years ago that nobody can change. Deal with your junk and allow God to heal what needs to be healed, but it won't happen until you step through the door. Stop sleeping with the frogs. Stop waiting for God to do something and start stepping into what God is doing. That's what I want you to get today. I want you to know that God's got an abundance for everyone. But I have another thought for you is this. Is this, to get to the top, you gotta get off the bottom. You can take that however you want to. I was trying to think of a good Christian way to say it. If you wanna get to the top, you gotta get off the bottom. And some of y'all's bottoms are stuck. But what are you gonna do? Can I tell you something? Say, I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. Can I tell you something? When you get your giving statement for this year, open it up and tell me how blessed you are. Ooh, that even made my wife nervous. Because I talk to people all the time. I don't know why I'm not blessed. Because you've not given God everything that you have. You've not given him your first fruits. Right? That's not me. That's Bible. 
I learned a long time ago when dad was trying to teach us, and I'm a bit stubborn. My wife didn't grow up in church like I did. So when it came to the tithing thing, boy, it was rough. It was rough because like I said, when we started out, we didn't have anything. I mean, we were, it literally was, okay, if we give money to the church or to the Lord, because that's what you're doing, when we give money to the Lord, then are we going to have enough gas to get to work? But my dad taught us, and he just instilled it in us over and over and over. And one day, me and Tawana decided, we said, you know what, this, is, this was a lot of years ago. And we decided, we both had, we, she worked in Nashville. I had, we, anyway, this, that doesn't matter. But I'll never forget the day that we decided we're going to be faithful to God. We're going to give no matter what. Dad always said, you got to pay God before you pay Sears and Roebuck. Yeah, that's that old. And when we started that, we begin to experience the blessing and the abundance. You see what I'm saying? It's that matter of trusting God to walk through the door that He has for you. Giving is just one area that we can look at that's easy because that's sensitive. You start talking about money, everybody gets, ooh, oh, he going, oh, we don't like it when the preacher talks about money. You know what? The people that are blessed and understand that message, they love it when you talk about money. See, three people. <laughs> so now is the accepted time. And to get to the top, you've got to get off the bottom. Let me just tell you something. Life is too short to be miserable. And life is too short to walk around being beat up by the enemy all the time because you're not willing to get up and know who you are in Christ. Now's the time. You've been hanging on to this addiction. You've been hanging on to this habit. You've been hanging on to it because the truth is you kind of like it. And let me tell you something. That's how the enemy gets into your life. He convinces you because you know what happens. You know it's sin. Everyone I'm talking to, you already know because you've already figured out in your mind. You already in your mind. You've already drawn a picture and you know exactly what is in your life that you know that's not supposed to be there that you're not willing to quite give up. But you know what happens the next thing? We make an excuse and we start to justify the behavior. Well, I'm only human. Do you know that Jesus was as human as you. And he lived a pure life. Now you say, but he was God incarnate as well. And also, but listen to me. The Bible says he lived his life in the flesh to show us that it could be done. To show us the way. And I'm telling you right now, we have to stop making excuses for behavior that we know does not represent the body of Christ as it should. So where do you stand? Are you wanting to go through that door? Because here's what I know in John, it says, for he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Because here's the good news I have for you today. Your freedom is just beyond that door. Your anointing is just beyond that door. Your new marriage I'm not talking about a new one and cashing on the old one. That's not what I'm saying. 
Because what God will do, he will make your old funky marriage into a new amazing marriage. To the same person. I just want to make sure that's really clear. (laughs) But God can turn it all around. But you have to make a choice. And it's up to you. Are you going to be like Pharaoh? Because I'm going to tell you right now, that blows my mind. I've read that scripture and that passage a million times and never thought about that. That he chose to sleep with the frogs one more night. What about you? I don't know. I would hope that I'd have the integrity and the hunger for God to say, Moses, now is the time. Now is the time. Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across the room? Father.